Welcome back to Fears of a No-Name Blank. My name is Virginia. I'm an actor based in Atlanta, Georgia. In this bi-weekly podcast, I sit down with undiscovered actors, film and television industry folks, and other creatives to chat about their fears in business and life in general. The goal is not to solve the fears or try to motivate away from them, but just bring these fears to light. After all, we're all human. This week's talk with actor and writer and all-around creative awesome person, Charles Thomas, got super real. Charlie is an amazing being, open and honest, and is so easy to talk to. I think you'll find a lot of your own feelings while listening to this. Today, I'm with my buddy, Charlie. If you could take a minute to please introduce yourself, um, tell us about you, what you're working on, or just any bit that you'd like us to know. Okay. Uh, I'm Charlie T. Thomas, uh, actor here in Atlanta, uh, but kind of a man of all trades. I do playwriting as well. Uh, I'm currently working on a musical, personally. Um, I'm also in uh, a show called Man for All Seasons at the Shakespeare Tavern, playing until the end of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, I, every once in a blue moon, try to play in cabarets. The next one's up for January. Uh, that's it, I guess. I like smiling a lot. No. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Uh, um, so. Give us a little bit about your background. Are you... Um, an actor by trade? Did you study acting? Like, what's your situation? Uh, well, I went to college actually to be in pre-law, and my major was creative writing for playwriting, uh, and just happened to do a show my freshman year uh, because I just wanted to make friends. Then ended up doing another show and another show, and then going home and disappointing my parents by telling them I had changed my major to theater. <laughs> was a thing. Sure. <laughs> but they're good now. They're good now. Um, so basically I am an actor by trade is my main focus at the moment, mostly stage work. Uh, but I'm currently going to spend the next year. It's the plan to focus more on doing the production side of things and, uh, focusing on film and TV in my training. Okay. But mostly just trying to set up some projects where other people get to do things because that's really what I want to do. I want to make other people do art. And I want to sit there and watch them be awesome and be like, I help with that. Ah! That's amazing. So that's the goal coming forward. So. Uh-huh. so it sounds like you've been generally a creative person your whole life. Like you went into school thinking I'm going to do creative writing and that sort of thing. So, you know, tell me about your, your creative process and like how you discovered yourself as a creative. Oh man. So actually it came from being super lonely as a kid, (laughs) which is fine. It was, it wasn't like necessarily by choice, but I couldn't speak when I was a child. I uh, couldn't form uh, complete sentences very well. So I was in speech therapy a lot when I was in elementary school and I, my, Uncle jokes about the fact that I used to speak Chinese because no one understood what I was saying. Um, But from out of that and just being in a very uh, low income area of Mm -hmm. life, we didn't have a lot of toys or anything. So I started making stuff for me, my brother, my sister. So I would make up board games, like these elaborate board games that we would use 
action figures out of cereal boxes oh my to God. be the moving pieces. And I would make these crazy rules. Um, so that was step one. And then I started getting into like comic strips heavily. So I made a whole comic book world. Oh, cool. um, so that was next step, which ended up being leading to poetry, which I spent three years developing That's awesome. Uh, in middle and high school. And then in church, we were trying to find a Christmas play uh, and couldn't find anything to do. So I just volunteered. I was like, I would love to write a play. And so I revamped the whole Christmas Carol and made this like 30 page play um, in the span of like three days. Cause nice. I was just like hyped up um, and realized that I was good at playwriting. So I wrote all the plays from our church for like the next five years. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, which just keeps kind of barreling through. So basically my creative process is, is there a need? Can I fill that need? Do I have the ability to fill that need? Oh, that was fun. Let's keep doing it. <laughs> and so a lot of stuff, some of the stuff's fallen on the wayside. Like okay. I used to make children's books uh, and illustrate those. And that's something I'm hoping to get back into. Gosh, you well. really are a jack of all trades. So it you write, act, <laughs> illustrate. Sing. Yes. Nice. Like, oh it's my insane. gosh. That's awesome. And um, I mean, it sounds like, you are the true example of necessity breeds creativity. Like, you know, you, like you just said, you saw a need even as a child and you filled it with this creative process of yours. Did you um, always have a lot of support from your parents um, in that process or has there been times when that's wavered? For the most part in my early childhood and probably all through high school, I've really had a very, Strong support system. My mom, before she passed, was all about me doing art uh, and being creative in that vein. So she got me, like, um, art supplies and stuff. And then mm -hmm. when my aunt and uncle adopted me, my brother, and my sister, uh -huh. after she passed, they were being on the art thing and the poetry thing and the playwriting thing. The only thing that took a, lot, a bit of time for my family to adjust to was acting. Mm -hmm. uh, because there were stigmas with acting. You're going to be poor. You're going to be around people who are basically like sinners. And my family is a very religious family. Gotcha. Uh, and other things. And so while they did enjoy me doing it within the church, outside of church, acting wasn't something that seemed feasible. And I mean, this is not bragging. This is just from my parents' perspective. I was an intelligent enough kid to find something that I can make a lot of money doing. Gotcha. Uh, I could be a doctor or a lawyer easily with my grades. So they didn't understand why theater necessarily was a viable choice. Mm -hmm. Unless I wanted to be like a college professor in it, which is still a, like an in-game thing at some point. So that's taken some time for them to get used to. Mm -hmm. Now they're on board, but it took a long, hard road to get them there, which yeah. is fine. We're just growing pains for everyone. Oh, so. yeah, for sure. For sure. That's interesting that you um, mentioned that acting, like, that was the road. Like, there were so many other things that were acceptable, and then there was this one roadblock, um, and that you've had to, like, essentially just force your way in and say, look, these are the things. Look this is the step I'm taking and, and I'm, you know, I'm being taken seriously. And, exactly. Um, I just, I find that so fascinating, <laughs> especially like, you know, every family is different, Exactly. you know, and, and like, you know, like my family's like, Oh yeah, go act. That's great. Um, 
but I'm sure there would be there would be one thing where they'd be like, uh, why are you even trying to do that? Exactly. Uh, you know, but that's every it's so interesting how like, and I wonder. I'm curious how like like the how you grew up and the social structure of your family and your community contributed to that. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, contributed to like why acting, why acting was, was the roadblock. Uh, it's just, I think it was just the fact of just like it's so rare to break in to acting and actually be like super successful. Okay, and so my family instilled in me a feeling of success that I'm almost addicted to. I love succeeding at stuff. And I think right. everyone does. Mm-hmm. But like me specifically, I love knowing that I just did the thing. Yeah. Um, and my family always saw me do that as a child. Like no matter what it was, I was just like, if I'm putting my like project in, I'm getting the highest grade or if gotcha. I'm taking a test, I'm going to score super high. Um, and so with that, you're asking that personality that succeeds so much to do the thing that has the least probability of success. So why? <laughs> so do you think they were afraid for you? They were. They they were afraid. I didn't. I think they're also very pragmatic about talent. Okay. Um, and I can honestly say that as a child, I was, and as a young adult, I wasn't super talented as an actor. I had a humongous amount of energy that I did not mind displaying on stage. And that's about as much as I can say about my acting (laughs) ability. (laughs) Um, So I can see someone being like, you're good. You're fun. You're having a good time, but this is by no means a career for you. Yeah. And so my family has always been very real and very honest about the level of my ability in things. They would tell me, you're a singer, but you're not like a singer (laughs) or, you know, which is fine. Uh, There were times when it hurt, but now I'm very grateful that like my family is very um, upfront about Mm -hmm. those things. Cause I ask other people in my life to do the same. And we're in a career where people could be so phony and false and say, Oh, you're doing great. You're doing fine. But then like go to a bar and be like, did you see what they put on that stage? Um, and my family was never like that. They've never been the type to just be like, oh, yeah, you're fine. Blah, blah, blah. She would, my aunt, especially, who I love to death, can be very, very short um, when <laughs> she wants to correct something, but also very complimentary when she uh-huh. does. And so I always knew exactly where I fell in things. Mm-hmm. And I knew for a long time I wasn't falling into the acting is a definite career choice for mm-hmm. you. And so they would just tell me. They're just mm-hmm. like, yeah. You're not the next Denzel, so just relax. (laughs) And I remember the turning point was playing Donkey and Shrek uh, in community theater, and they came to see that. And that was the first time that my both my parents were just like gushing over a performance. Um, And I I remember that night just going to my dressing room and crying because it was so. It was such a long road. I think I'd been acting for 11 years by that oh point. Oh, my gosh. And they've seen me and stuff, and they've enjoyed those things. But I think the moment they saw Donkey, they were just like, okay, you just this took is a, thing. a big role and nailed it. So now I get why you want to do this. Gotcha. And so, And they've been supportive about it ever since. That's so I know so I cool. broke it. That's <laughs> so. so cool. All right. Well, we're going to get into the nit to grit, too. All right. 
Charlie, I'm going to ask you what your biggest fear is. <sighs> mm. <laughs> I've been thinking about this for so long now. <laughs> um, it's still true. Okay, so my biggest fear definitely is being forgotten. Uh-huh. Just becoming a distant memory to the point where no one remembers me. Mm-hmm. Um, just making an impact small enough in the world that that impact can just be overlooked by everyone who knew me mm-hmm. terrifies me. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> Why do you think that your biggest fear? Like, what, do you have an idea of where it might stem from? Like, perhaps? I do. Um, I know I mentioned earlier my mom passed away. Mm-hmm. So she passed away when I was 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and very suddenly. Oh, and for the first few years, I remembered absolutely everything about her. But as I grew up, things started fading in my memory about her. Like, I, th- I remember some of the things that I remember very distinctly is the way she laughed and her voice while she sang and the smell of the major perfume that she had. Like, mm-hmm. those are things that were just, like, vivid in my memory. And other things would fall. Like, I don't remember things of what made her upset. Um, I don't remember how she acted at a party. Right. Like, things like that. And so those memories were slowly leaving. And for a while, it wasn't a big deal. But over the past few years, especially, realizing that really the only thing I recognize is her smile. Like, that's the last thing that I have that I can clearly, clearly visualize. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything else is like a blur or something that I doubt. Or it's like, is that me making up a memory or is that actually a memory? Mm -hmm. And then I was just like, oh, my God, my own mother. Like, it's been over 20 years now. So, like, it's expected not to remember everything. But it's so impactful to me just like I can't remember my own mother's smell I can't remember the things that made my mom super happy like I kind of do but I don't Mm -hmm. trust the things that I've made up in my head Mm -hmm. because I might have made them up in my head and so sometimes I talk to my family about things just like you know what was she like uh what do you remember of her both of my aunts are really good at bringing memories back Mm -hmm. mom uh mom and helping me solidify some stuff in my memory. But I myself have such a struggle with that. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes wonder, it's just like, is that is this what's going to happen to me with the people in my life that I'm going to start fading? I mean, a woman raised me. <laughs> and I'm now just like, and now in a sense, she is a distant memory, a very touching, loving memory, but a memory nonetheless. And I'm just like, how much will it take for me to invest in other people so that they keep me in their memory and then it just spirals. Mm-hmm. So that's basically why I believe it comes from. Wow. That's, there's just so much in that. Like that's <laughs> so deep. Um, how does that kind of, how does that affect your building of relationships? Like, I feel like that's something that would be, um, I don't know, pretty in the forefront when you're, when you're building relationships with people. I've become more aware of it in the past few years, but Uh I can tell you like in the past, I, I usually consider myself like 
a momentary clown in most social situations, especially with relationships. Like I come into a space, I liven up the party, so to speak. I love socializing and talking to the person who's not being talked to the most. Um, and then just leaving that there. Like I would not really invest in anything past the moment of something happening when it came to people. So making friends, um, wasn't a huge deal in the sense of like, Oh, every person I meet is a potential friend. Uh Uh, the thing is once I do decide, okay, that person is going to be a friend. It becomes super intense very quickly because I'm immediately focused on making memories and moments happen and Uh making them count being important, which will put a lot of pressure on the other person. Um, and it's just like, if you miss something that I thought was going to be very important, you didn't know that was going to be very important to me. <laughs> right. Like, it just happened. And you don't know why that thing is important to me. Uh, so a lot of my friendships early on had a lot of situations where, I guess, people could read it as jealousy. Gotcha. And I read it as jealousy, especially for a while, because it's just, I can't believe you're just going to spend time with this other random person. But I'm here, and I'm one of your closest friends. And, like, why would you even treat me like that? Uh-huh. Um, so those select few who are deemed worthy enough to put forth the effort and Mm -hmm. be that friend would deal with so much pressure and confusion from me and reading signals that weren't really there until Mm -hmm. the moment happened. Um, they dealt with a lot of pressure and I dealt with a lot of pressure trying to keep them. Mm -hmm. Um, now over the past few years, I've definitely realized that that is a thing that I do. And I'm just like, okay. I need to just let a friendship be a friendship. <laughs> just <laughs> relax, uh, which oddly enough allows me to make more friends mm-hmm. than I've ever done. Now that I'm not thinking about it, yeah, I realize that I'll look back and be like, "Oh my gosh, I've established a relationship with that person." Like mm-hmm. that's crazy, um, and I have great memories with that person that I don't have to like force feed into that relationship. Mm-hmm. It just happened they which is beautiful. organic and growth and yes it just happens naturally that's good i'm glad that that's something that you've I'm realized <laughs> I'm keep the friends yay friends um so in terms of not just kind of everyday life but your um life as an actor or as a creative person how does this fear of being forgotten motivate you or discourage you um, as far as motivation is, it motivates me more on the actor side of my life, okay. but definitely hinders me a lot in every other aspect of my creativity, oh, which is hilarious. So, um, as an actor, it motivates me to really make an impact every time I'm on stage. So I'm very present, very in the moment. Every, even the smallest role has mm-hmm. a lot of care and compassion and, um, humanity mm-hmm. to them because that's like that's what i've realized in my experience watching people perform that's what clicks with me the most gotcha. the humanity of a character uh if you can make someone who's only got five lines feel like they're the realest person on mm-hmm. a stage then yes you're the person i'm going to leave remembering because i'm like oh my god but that guy who literally came yeah. in and act three scene two was just like killing it like invested so much and those are my favorite actors um, so I want to be that actor. So right. I take a lot of care in making my characters very human and very real and very connected to me. They are, they're very empathetic, even when they're evil. 
Um, I like making them feel like there's more going on in the back yeah. of their heads so, to where a person will walk out and be like, why did that happen? Like, yeah. why? There was that one look that you gave. Like, he was 70% like evil as hell. And then there was just that one look that just came out of nowhere. It's just like, there's something behind it. What's yeah. Cool? So I, I live and thrive in those things as an actor, which is, I think, one of the things why I keep getting work. At least, hopefully, that's why I keep getting work. <laughs> um, but, oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, as far as every other area, though, it stops me in my tracks. So, because I'm so focused on not being forgotten, my work okay. has to be Perfect. so good yeah. that it is not forgotten. Uh-huh. So, I can't tell you how many projects I've started and stopped because I'm like, who's going to remember this? Who's going to really want to see this more than once? And, you know, and I think about all these projects that have moved me. So currently my inspiration is Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm obsessed with the man. Uh, not really. I hope he never hears it. (laughs) He's not following you. I just like, but who knows? Uh, but Lin-Manuel's ability to put his life into his work, he took things that he was weak with and turned it into a career because he chose to use his strengths to help lift up the weaknesses. So In the Heights is still probably my favorite musical of all time because mm-hmm. he took the fact that he couldn't sing but could rap really well into an entire musical and told his like childhood like neighborhood about it and be- God, been musical for it. Like, geez. Mm-hmm. Um, so stories like that move and shake me. I want to tell a story like that. I crave telling stories like that in my children's books, in my musical, in my plays, like anything that I'm working on, even in my blogging. Mm-hmm. Uh, I crave the storytelling that makes people remember this later on. Mm-hmm. So when I feel like I've created something that doesn't have that quality in my head, I immediately erase it. Of, like, Don't even it. give it a chance. Yeah. I ch- oh, my gosh. This musical I've been writing has been almost a decade in the making because I wow. keep changing it. The more that my life changes, I'm like, no, this is way more important. I should mm-hmm. really erase that last draft and do this. So it's a constant struggle of telling myself, this is good enough. This is good enough. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. And then I'll just like side table it. So yep. do you find um, that you then compare your work a lot to other people's work and, and say, you know, like you were just saying, like, this is memorable. This thing that I'm doing is not. So, so you find yourself in like a comparison trap. Yes. Sort of. The game of comparisons is a place that I'm constantly in. So I will, Start writing like, oh my god, this isn't Stephen Sondheim, and oh my god, this isn't <laughs> well, this isn't Shakespeare, this mm-hmm. isn't an Edward Albee. Like, I, I keep those works so close to my heart that I don't. Oh god, I'm just about to say this, and then it's just about to land on me. I keep those works so close to my heart that I don't allow my heart to have room for the works that I've created, mm-hmm. and so I'm constantly saying if. I'm going to move something else out the way from my work. My work has to be worth that space. Like if I had to put it into oh, words. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and most of the time it's not. In my head, it's not. Yeah. Uh, and you, you just won't give it that grace. Yeah. That's so interesting. That's so interesting. I'm sure it's fabulous. 
Um, <laughs> you know how many times, like, I can't think of anybody's name right now, but, you know, people who write anything, they are constantly revising, you know, there's stories of authors who are, you know, they've published books, but they still rewrite them. Exactly. You know, so it's not, it's not like an alone thing, but you definitely have to give yourself that space for acceptance. I haven't learned the magical <laughs> mathematical equation to just say, okay, this is where I finally let go and let something like land. And that's something that I've really been working on the last year, especially. Uh-huh. It's just uh-huh. looking at my work and just being like, don't touch it. Just let it be. Just let it be. Just <laughs> just let like, it be. We'll come back later to it. And um, I don't let it. I don't write. Oh, so. <laughs> um, so I'm still trying to build up at least enough courage to let people read what I've done so far. So as of now, no one in Atlanta has ever seen anything I've written. Uh-huh. Uh, so that is the next step is mm-hmm. just letting someone in my life, in my career actually see something I've done. So I can at least get an outside perspective and right. just say, get some, um, how do I, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I've verified, uh, just to see if I'm legitimate in my uh, feelings of inadequacy or if it's just <laughs> Charles, you being an idiot. Just let people read the damn yep. thing. <laughs> so we're we're still working on that. Part. I get that. I get that entirely. Um, now, you were just talking about how over the last couple of years, you've really um, kind of looked into yourself about your fear of being forgotten and your kind of um, you know, using that to help yourself with your relationships and so on. And is, is that something you talk to people about? Do you tell them about this fear that oh. you have, or do you never mention it at all? Almost never, almost never. There are few people who know it. Uh, I don't think my family knows it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of friends who who have heard me speak about it because it's such a huge thing that I normally just kind of like jokingly mention and be like, Hey, don't forget me. And then I'm just like, Oh my God, they're going to forget me. Uh, it's, it's something I don't obviously want to lead with and I don't want to finish with. (laughs) So hi, I'm Charlie. Please don't forget (laughs) me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I might actually use that. (laughs) Like that. I could pull that off. I could pull that off. Um, it's one of those things where in a random moment, I will mention like, man, it's going to be real bad when I'm not here. You guys are just going to move on without me. Um, which isn't the same as forgetting no, someone, yeah. but to me that feels like it. And so I have to like differentiate like the difference and that's effort for somebody else to like go through with me. I'm yeah. like, you don't need to go through this. Like, <laughs> why do I put this on you? Um, as of now, I would say before this podcast, maybe five, six people know that that's a real thing. Um, and I know a couple friends, I'm not going to mention their names because they'll probably be like, don't say my name. Um, but a couple of friends especially are very good at checking me in moments or just like, it's not that big of a deal. You're okay. Like you're going to be <laughs> okay. Like you're important enough to like keep yes close to the heart. And so that's something I'm trying to like 
relaxing and mm-hmm. just resting and be like, okay, I'm just, it's enough. This yeah. is enough. This That's is enough. wonderful to have that support. Um, you know, that anybody will exactly. say to you, you know, it's okay. You're here now. It's okay. It's how I know I made the right friends. Yeah, when they, for sure. When they're able to like clock that and be like, oh God, I did okay. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Um, well, Charlie, do you have anything else to say to us about um, your fear of being forgotten? Any wrap up or anything? I want to, let me start by saying thank you so much for sharing with us, um, you know, the loss of your mom, which is obviously just so heavy and important. Um, but yeah, I, I can't thank you enough for, for bringing that up well, and sharing course. it. My, like being honest, that's my thing. Uh, I would say if I had to say anything else to kind of wrap this up, I believe remembering people is important, but how you remember them is not important. There are so many, if I've learned anything in my lifetime, it's just that memory manifests itself in so many ways. Like Mm -hmm. the way that you care about a random stranger can come from somebody that you met 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and you don't realize it because you're not sitting there in the moment thinking because that person gave me a dollar 10 years ago, (laughs) I'm going to use this random moment to give somebody a dollar, but that's how it happens. Like Mm -hmm. we, there's so many small moments in our lives Mm -hmm. that affect other moments in our lives. And it's so exhausting to cut all those, but I believe that's where our actions truly come from, uh, whether it's from family members or friends or the random interaction. And of course, the big ones land on us more than the small ones. But understanding that there's no pressure. We, when we're matter to somebody, mm-hmm. like it just happens. Mm-hmm. Those moments and the memories just happen. Mm-hmm. So just enjoy where you are. Mm-hmm. what you have right now. That's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I love it. I've surrounded myself with some of the most amazing people in the process and I grow every day. And because I'm so self-aware of it, I know the moments that come because of that person. <laughs> so I love it. It's such a beautiful place in life to be, to be aware of the people around mm-hmm. you and what they matter to you. So yeah. that's what I would say. Yeah. When you touch people genuinely, like there's just no way to be forgotten. Absolutely. Absolutely. Charlie, do you have anywhere um, online where people can find you or a website or anything like that that you'd like to share? Yes, I do. God help me. I'm actually trying to keep up with social media. Yay, social media. (laughs) I am on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as Charlie T. Actor. Okay. Uh, And I have a blog that I uh, attach to my Instagram. Uh, that's about random things and stuff. I do a lot of encouraging videos when I can. They're very encouraging. Uh, so that's always looking for a pick me up. I got you. Uh, and I'm usually, I would say 90% a upbeat person. So <laughs> we're seeing some sunshine in your life. If you're looking for that, I got you. And I post a lot of food too. So Yay got food. you there. All right. I will definitely link all your stuff in the show notes. And Charlie, again, thank you so much. For thank you for here. having me. Absolutely. Creative people, especially actors and other performers, are often accused of being shallow in our motivations. Oh, you're just doing that for attention and that sort of thing. Definitely 
things I have heard often. Um, but I think we creative people are often more in touch with certain universal human traits that we all share, whether we're willing to admit it or not. And the fear of being forgotten is one of them. I know that much of what Charlie said resonated with me. And I really love that Charlie is so open about his intentions to be introspective and better himself. Did anything in our conversation make you sit back and say, wow, I've had that experience too. If you're willing, I'd love to hear about it. I'm Virginia, and you've been listening to Fears of a No-Name Blank. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore Scarlet P. Charlie's social media information, Charlie T. Actor, will be linked in the show notes. Give him a follow and check out his amazing talents. I'll also link information to the Shakespeare Tavern where you can go and see Charlie, as well as other phenomenal actors if you're in the Atlanta area. Oh, 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 oh,